kind of you would sort of like to be part of, but you weren't really feeling like you were in. Any, anyone besides me? Any, did any of you go to middle school or high school? <laughs> yeah, okay. That's basically what we're talking about today. We're talking about click versus community. And it's interesting, Romans, a lot of times, we, when we think of the book of Romans, we think of these big themes like salvation, justification, how we're made right with God, how our sins are forgiven, and God brings us into right standing with him. And these are important themes. Whoa, there went my microphone. down. I think I just lost my status in some click there. But, yeah, we think of these, these individual topics about how we're made right with God. Uh, but if you, for those of you who have been here, we, we talked about how this book, with the setting was, it was written to the church in Rome, a very young church in its formative stages. And it was made up of two groups of people, those of Jewish background believers, so they had all the Old Testament and understanding of God from that history, and then the Romans, the, the Gentile believers, those that were not Jewish. And before this book had been written, the Jews had been expelled out of Rome, and there was some persecution they were experiencing. And then about eight years later, they were quietly allowed back into the city. But in, so in the meantime, they came back to a church that had, that had changed, the flavor had gone from one that had been, probably the leading influences had been the Jewish believers because they had the background and the history and they knew more about God and stuff like that. But while they were gone, the, the Jewish or the, the Gentile believers, they were, they were the church. And so the flavor of the church changed quite a bit. And so there was this understandable tension between you know, our way of viewing things and their way of viewing things and kind of two cliques or factions or different, different poles within this community. And, you know, we all, it's interesting because we all, like one of our greatest needs, we all want a group to belong to. That is one of our deepest, most important human instincts, is to have a group that we belong to. One of our core values here at Blue Mind is that Christians need community. That is so true. We can't do life alone. We need other people in our life, friends, partners, people we can be open with, and, and a group that we're part of. And that's, that's so important. But there's a tendency for that need to be part of a group to become unhealthy. And that's where this, this click sort of instinct can, can kick in. And um, I looked it up. because like, what exactly is a click? The de- our definition of a click is a small group of people, usually with shared interests or other features in common, who spend time together and do not readily allow others to join them, all right? So that's the, probably the last part is what we think about the most. It's like, yeah, they got this clique, has their way of doing things, their kind of culture or flavor or the jocks or the nerds or whatever it is, and it's, it's kind of hard to get in to that group. It's a, it's a closed group. So basically, our, you know, our, our message, our the topic today is pretty simple. It's basically, don't be a clique, y'all, all right? We're just like, we want to be community not a click. And we're going we're gonna to look at, that's such a, so easy for us to be, we, it's easy for us to think like, oh, and I can think of, I always felt like I was the guy growing up in school and, and on, on in life, where there was that group that I really admired and looked up to and would like to be part of. And I always just sort of felt like I was just not quite there. I wasn't like 100 miles away a lot of times. Sometimes I was. But sometimes it was like, oh, I'm just like, 
it's kind of within striking distance, but I just can't quite get in. That's that, and that's that feeling. And um, but there's something beyond that that God has for us to there, to to not be click like. But it's, but I also realize I always it's easy to feel out, but then not realize wait. I think there are groups of people I was with where I was doing that to other people. Where I would have not wanted that to be, I didn't want that done to me, but I had, I was part of cliques. I've been part of cliques. And it's easy for us to, to find ourselves engaging in that kind of behavior and relationships both ways. And so God has a, a, better, a better way. And really, this is good news for everyone. The, the good news of the gospel is that God brings us into relationship with, with himself through Jesus. And then he brings us into a family with brothers and sisters. And that's all interwoven in this gospel. We're reconciled to God, and then we're brought into his family. As we were singing, good, good father. That's what, that's the, what I just couldn't get past. It's like, yeah, he's a father. And it's like, like my mom, like she, it really matters to her that all of us kids come home. Like for, we come together in the summer because we're all spread out. And God's like that. Like he wants all his kids to like come to dinner together and like be part of a family with brothers and sisters where we really have the healthy kind of family that he envisions for us. Um, so the gospel is an invitation to allegiance to, to King Jesus and to be part of his family. And it's a, a community, really the heart of this, is it's a community that sees and invites the heart of another person to be seen and loved. Really, that's what cliques don't do, is that they don't, they're so focused on my needs and my wants and kind of protecting this turf that they don't see other people and see their need to be known and loved. But a community does that and brings people into that. And so we're going to, these last three chapters of Romans, really they hit on a lot of aspects of what real community is versus cliques. And um, we're going to hit on like five quick, I think they're going to be mostly fairly quick, like, what's a clique? What's a community? Five aspects of this. And there's a lot of truth in this. I really would encourage you to be reading through this this week. Um, if you're doing it online, or we have some printouts of the readings and some reflection questions over on the resources table this week. But it's kind of like, we all know cliques are bad, but it's, it's like, if you've ever heard the saying, mama puts the cookie jar on the top shelf. You guys ever heard that? <laughs> the cookies are up on the top shelf, so you can't reach them very easily. So it's easy to be like, oh, click bad. But to really get to... Like, what does it take to come into real community? you got to, like, find a ladder and find a way to get to those cookies. And so this morning, that's our hope, is that we're going to, like, delve into getting those cookies to really experience community. So, all right. So really, I want to encourage you this, in this as well. Don't ask, um, like, hey, are, is, is that group a clique or a community, or is our church a clique or a community? I mean, there's, the answer is yes, yes. Like, sometimes we're clicky, sometimes we have all these aspects are things that are very real. And, yes, we easily fall into that. But the way that we become a community is by each one of us asking ourselves, how am I living out? Am I experiencing living out the gospel in a way that I am living as a community person, not a click person, and then bringing that to others? So, first aspect about click versus community. A click is about uniformity. Community... Is about harmony. Click is about uniformity. Community is about harmony. We, our son Ian is on a club soccer team, and 
sports can be kind of clicky. Club sports can be quite clicky. And their deal last month was that they were all supposed to buy pink socks to take a stand for breast cancer awareness. And it became this whole issue, like, do we, like, do we have to do that? And the end of the line was like, yes, you have to wear the same uniform. We have to look the same. This is what we're doing as a team. Um, and in, in Romans, there were certain things that some of the people thought were really important. And they said, everybody should do it like we're doing it. And other people said, no, I don't think that's so important. And some of these issues had to do with if they would eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Because if you bought meat in the marketplace, a lot of times it had been sacrificed to idols. And so some of the people were like, hey, probably the more Jewish background believers were like, man, that is just evil. Those are evil spirits. We should stay away. We'll just eat vegetables to avoid that. And it's kind of like the Halloween debate among Christians. Like, hey, should we like avoid Halloween all the way? Some would say, yes. And others would say, no, it's just trick-or-treating. Like, okay, yeah, some people do weird stuff, but we're not doing that, so let's just free candy. That's a good thing, right? That God must be for free candy. So that's kind of the debate here with, with these, these factions. And so in Romans 14, verse 1, Paul writes, he says, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. So it's interesting. interesting. He doesn't say, hey, this is the right answer, and you all need to have the same answer about what you should eat. But he says, no, you should figure out what you believe is the right way for you to honor God in this manner, and be fully convinced in your own mind. And then live it out. But don't tell everybody else that they have to have the same conviction about this non-essential issue as you do. And so there's a, a famous saying. Um, it's been attributed to a lot of people. But it actually was this, this dude named Rupertus Meldinius. Poor guy. He probably was left out a lot of clicks with a name like that, <laughs> I would guess. But he's a German guy in the 1700s. But he said this. He said, in the essentials, unity... In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. And charity is another word for love. And this is really a true kingdom principle. That there are essential things. Jesus is king. That's an essential thing. What is our, our, our code of life and conduct? It's God's word, the Bible. Like every, Jesus, Jesus told us, teach us then to obey everything God, that he has commanded us. So everything that God has commanded us, that's an essential but then there are non-essential things. And in those things, those are issues of individual conscience and us wrestling with God. And one person, one believer may have a different perspective on that than another. And there's liberty for us to live that out. But in all things, charity. In all things, love. In all things, and it's funny how Christians can be so uptight about debatable things and then forget the non-debatable stuff, which is, hey, love one another. Right, that's like that's that's in all things, just do that, you're gonna be okay. And so there are essentials, and sometimes, you know, in our culture, tolerance can go too far. We can think, okay, well, just it doesn't matter what you believe or how you live, every belief is okay and equal. That's that's not true. There are there is right or wrong. Jesus is king, he does have commandments for us. But a lot of times we take things that are non essentials 
and we make them, we treat them like they're essentials. But, so these, but these are things that are neither prohibited nor required by our Christian faith. So it's important to be careful that they don't become the essentials. And so it's not about uniformity, but it's about harmony. And those of you who are musical understand this better than a lot of us, but harmony, when you sing in harmony, it's different than singing in unison. Right? If you sing in unison, everyone sings the same note at the same time, and that's pretty cool. But there's an even higher level where one person's singing one note, and then other people are singing other notes, but they're not just random notes, because that probably won't sound very good, but they're notes that, that fit well with the other notes. And so there's a fullness of sound when they come together. And that's really what, what the church is supposed to be. It's not, we're not all supposed to play the same notes or have the same personalities or do everything the same, dress the same. I heard that Clay at the Call to Greatness dress, costume party last night dressed up like me. That was, and he nailed it, I heard. So, yeah, so that was funny and that's good, but it's a good thing that the rest of y'all aren't doing that every day, right? Like, that would not be good. So, there's room, like, we, all of our personalities and styles and cultures and backgrounds, like, that is what the church is all about, about bringing that together. Um, I love how even in our, in Bluemont's vision, vision statement, it kind of, from the very beginning, I remember sitting in the kitchen just thinking about what are we called to do, what does God want to do through us? We, we, our vision is to be a culturally and ethnically diverse, growing church where people are continually coming to faith in Christ, maturing as disciples, influencing Manhattan and being sent out to transform culture other places. But like the first thing we said was, Ethnically and culturally diverse. Because that's what the church is supposed to be, a place of diversity, where different people come together, because that reflects God like nothing else. And so, that's cool. Now that, you know, it's not just, so our cultures, our personalities, um, our different weaknesses. It's important that the church is a place where people of different political leanings can, can find common ground. You don't have to be like, hey, I think I watch the same political talk shows to, to come to this church. We can have different leanings, different, different views, different. maybe some of us are more word-oriented naturally or more spirit-oriented, but the church is a place where all of that, all of that comes together. Um, Romans 14, 19, later on in this chapter, Paul says, So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Aim for harmony. I was thinking, it, it takes, harmony is great, but it's, it's harder to sing in harmony than it is just to sing in your shower, right? Like, I, I'm not very good at singing harmony. I, it's hard enough for me to sing on key. That's, that's stretching me. But really, developing our skills of understanding, of listening. Like, we all tend to like to talk, but harmony, we have to listen to what are other people, what's in them, to pull out what's in their heart, to get to know them, to understand, and then also to share what's in our heart and to build, build a harmony that way. Man, this is just like so, how amazing is it? And I love like being part of this community because I think this is happening at a really pretty cool level. Um, but it's so, it's so needed in our world, right? Like it's so divisive. It's so, like there's so much division. This is radical. This is, this is what the world needs. So harmony, not unity. Second aspect of cliques versus community is a clique is judgmental. All right, we know that. Got mean girls and all that. Like a community 
is accountable and accepting. It's funny, we tend to think like the opposite of being judgmental is going to be accepting, and that's true. But it's not just being accepting, because there is a need for, for justice. We have this built-in need for, for justice, and we need accountability and acceptance. The antidote to judgmentalism is not anything goes, but it's knowing who has the right to judge. And guess what? It's not me. It's not you. There's somebody else. We go on in, in Romans 14.3. Paul says, The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. Don't be judgmental. Don't look down on the one who doesn't do what you're doing. The one who doesn't eat everything must not judge the one who does. Why? Because God has accepted them. There's another judge. He's the one we're accountable to. And he has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. This is not the typical, you know, we don't really like the language of servants in our culture, but Paul goes there. He says, hey, there, there is a judge, there, there is a master, there are servants. Actually, we're all called to be servants of our master, King Jesus. And actually, he's the one who is the one who is to judge each servant and how well we're living our life and how, how we're following him. So let, let God be the one who's the one who's the judge, not us. Um, to, his own, to their own masters, servants stand or fall, and they will stand. For the Lord is able to make them stand. He goes on in verse 10. He says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. As it is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. It's funny how thinking about the reality that I'm going to give an account to my li- of my life to God, it goes a long way to taking my attention away from judging other people. Like that's enough right there for me to focus on. i got enough stuff to deal with and be accountable to him. And I, Okay, that's what I need to focus on. I don't need to worry about everybody else. But he's, he's, he's our Lord and Master. And then, but then out of that, realizing, man, but God, through his mercy and grace and the sacrifice of Jesus, he has accepted me. And when I didn't deserve it. You guys, some of you, probably most of you, followed you know, some of the news the last week or two with Kanye West and his new album, Jesus is King. And as I enjoyed listening to some of that music. It's been cool. And I watched, watched one of his interviews. Um, but it's funny how some of the buzz on social media and the internet was that some Christians, religious people, were skeptical or even judgmental of Kanye. And, you know, we're, again, we're not his judge. Okay? He's accountable to God. But I think the, the thing that I heard numerous people saying, I think, is true, is that, wait, and it's, you're saying it's hard to believe that Kanye would be a genuine follower of Jesus because he's been so broke and dysfunctional and egocentric for a while. Okay. But what about you? Or what about me? Like, did, did you, was Jesus able to save me when I was broke and dysfunctional and egocentric and totally under the power of sin? Did, do I believe the gospel of Jesus changed me? 
Okay, if, if, if I think that Kanye, it's harder for him to save Kanye than me, then I'm not really in touch with reality here. And that's the reality. We realize, oh my goodness, I am a sinner. God has extended grace to me. Okay, that's his heart. That's his heart for people. That's his heart for the world. He is a God who extends grace and forgiveness and acceptance to people. So when we get that, then we can live at the same level of acceptance and have a community that's accepting. All right. A, a click, moving on. I like this. A click is fueled by insecurity and lack. Community comes from a sense of abundance. I remember being in eighth grade, and this was back when like Air Nike was just kind of really starting to be a thing, and like wearing like the designer Air Nikes was like was really like taken off, and so there was a certain new basketball shoe that came out, and the two guards on our eighth grade basketball team got the same shoe. And they started, you know, wearing around to school. And I remember my one friend, I can still see him, like, sketching this shoe on his paper in class. Like, he was so excited about this shoe. But it wasn't just a shoe. It was the status of, like, hey, I'm, like, we're the starting guards on our basketball team. And, and we, were got, we were in this clique, basically. So a little bit later, we come to, we get to school a little early. And <clears throat> one of these guys is sitting there, and I'm there. And he's got his shoes on. And then this other guy who's kind of, he's, he's a little on the outside. He's, he's pretty insecure, but he's always trying to get in. He's always got the, like, what can I do to be accepted thing going really strong. So he, like, struts up to us wearing the same shoe. And my first friend totally lost it. He, I, he completely lost it. He just exploded in anger and got face red and just like left the area. He just couldn't handle it anymore. And I, it just was kind of funny to watch this whole thing unfold. It's still funny to think about. But that's a click is fueled by this sense of scarcity, insecurity, lack. I'm not in. I don't have enough. So if I just need to like try to get around the right people or be in the right community or then I can like feel good about myself maybe. There's always the sense of not having enough. And a community comes from a, a God-given sense of abundance that we have been given everything we need in Jesus. And we don't have to fight for our place or our status or our pecking order or our position. But we have been given more than we need. Everything, all the riches of heaven have been given to us. We have an abundance, and we can then live generously to other people. Um, the, you know, this, uh, this whole letter of Romans up to this point, it's been just hitting on this theme, these themes, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We've been given everything we need. There's just this, God is for us. Who can be against us? This theme of, of abundance. And so community, real community is always from that place of abundance. It's strength-based. It's understanding that God has given us abundant resources. And out of that, we can, we can live with generosity to others. And I, there, especially chapter 15 of Romans, I'm only going to hit a couple of these, but there's just 
verse after verse where Paul is writing, he's saying, hey, this is what you have. God's giving you so much peace, so much hope. May you experience more of his peace. May you experience more of his hope. May you know all the, the victory that you have in Jesus. He's full of this abundance. Just look at a couple of these in verse 13 and 14 of chapter 15. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. May he fill you up to the brim with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, may you experience this fullness of joy and peace and overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the good news. God has for you. I myself am am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness. You're filled with knowledge. You're competent to instruct one another. You've already already got this. You've trusted in Jesus. You're full of the goodness of God and what he has for you. In verse 29, he says, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. You know, I'm living life knowing that God's blessing has come to me. And I'm living not trying to get something or not trying to see what I can get out of our interaction because I'm needy. But I've got everything I need in God. And I'm coming to you to pour, pour out of that, pour out of the overflow of that in, in my life to you. I, like two days ago, I was, I was thinking about a couple situations and a couple people who had some challenging some challenges in front of them, and I found myself just praying, and I was was going, God, I started praying the Lord's Prayer, God, in these situations, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. God, please, will you intervene? Will you help them get to this place they need to get? And I caught myself, I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of nudged me. It was like, hey, you sound really desperate right now. Like, you don't need to freak out about it so much. Like, that's not really how I intended that prayer to be prayed. Like, yeah, you can just say, hey, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. It's available. I'm going to do it. That's what I'm, I have for them. Don't, why are you so stressed out about it? Like, and actually, not only am I doing it, but I want your prayer to be one of confidence and faith. That even as you pray, that you're helping bring that about. That it's from a place of knowing, yeah, this is what's happening and I'm saying it, may your kingdom come. May your will be done in this situation. May this person experience what they need. God, yeah, it's happening. I know it's there. That's, that's how God wants us to live a lot of our lives, most of our lives, from that place. Yeah, there's, it's good to be desperate. We, we, we're totally dependent upon God, and that's, you know, there are times of just sheer, raw desperation, but God wants us to live from a place of abundance and getting what we need and having confidence in that. Um... All right, there's so good, so much good stuff here. I, there's a quote from um, John Eldridge in his book, Waking the Dead. He talks about a lot of times we try, because we're needy, we look to the group, we look to other people to give us what only God can give us. And he says this, he says, But be careful about what you're looking for from the community. For if you bring your every need to it, it will collapse. Community is no substitute for God. We must first go to God alone so that we have something to bring back to the community. That's really how we get from the click scarcity mindset to the community abundance mindset. It's not trusting the community to be God, but going to God and then having something to bring to a life-giving community.
That's really what Paul, even in this chat, in this section, he's saying, hey, and I'm actually right now, I'm on my way to, to Jerusalem, and I've got this offering that we're taking for the poor there, and people are giving to it. Hey, you know, if you want to give, send some money, that's this way. But let's live out of the abundance God's given us and bless other people. All right, next thing is cliques are territorial. Community is invitational. This is kind of similar. But cliques are inherently territorial, right? Think about cliques you know. It's like we got our turf. This is our area. We, we sit in this part of the cafeteria, or we got this, or it's, <coughs> it's territorial. I got a, a letter this week from a ministry that, that we think very highly of, and it was a fundraising letter, but it rubbed me the wrong letter, like the wrong way. The first part of this letter started off saying, there are, there are a lot of other ministries out, of there, out there that do A and B, but we also do Y and Z. And I was just like, why do you got to like make it like they do that, but we do this? Why, like it just, why can't you just say, hey, this is what God's called us to, and join us in this? But it's just so much a part of our, it's so easy in our fallenness to, to feel like us doing something always has to be at the expense of somebody else or in competition with, with somebody else. Paul says this in, in Romans 15, 20, and 21. I, I, just listen to this. He says, It's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. Now, Paul could have said, Hey, I've like worked my butt off I've gone through a lot of hardship to bring the gospel to this area, to these areas. And you know what, by golly? Like, it's worked. And now there are churches. In all these areas I've traveled to, there are churches established. And, you know, maybe it's time for me to set up my little, like, popedom. Like, I, like, I can just, like, kick back and say, this is my area. And I'm going to just, like, keep living in this community. And, you know, serving it. And, you know, living the rest of my life. Here, like, I've, I've earned this. This is my territory. But he's like, no. You know what? This is great. God's expanded his kingdom here. That's, in fact, it's so good, there's, there's nothing else for me to do here anymore. I'm going to go somewhere else because I want to go where Christ is not known. I don't want to, I want to find the place where nobody knows Christ. And, and that's where I want to go. In verse 23, he says, but, 23, he says, but now there's no more place for me to work in these regions. Not many people would have said that. Most people would have said, there's a lot of work to be done. But he was like, hey, my mission is just to plant these churches and raise up leaders and get it going. My job is done here. There's nothing more for me to do, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. Spain was actually like the farthest extent of the, empire, the Roman Empire. He basically had his eyes set on, where's the farthest place I can go just to, to in, bring the invitation of this good news to the world? where people don't know it yet. And, you know, that's, that's really the kind of attitude that God wants us to have. It's one of the greatest tragedies of the American church is that something like 95% of church growth is transfer growth. It's Christians moving from one church to another church. And... Meanwhile, like in our community, conservatively, 
80% of people right now are not part of a church community. And so it's easy to be like, to, to, to focus on like just kind of Christians shuffling around, but the gospel is about invi- bringing the invitation of the good news to those that don't know Christ yet. And that's in our church, and I, I love how this is, is, is the case. That our, kind of our informal goal is that half the people in our community would say, you know what? I wasn't really a disciple of Jesus, but through the connections of people, and someone reached out to me, and now I'm a disciple of Jesus. And the rest of us would be like, you know, I was a follower of Jesus, but I moved here and I found a church, but I'm helping people who don't know Jesus to be followers of him too. And that that's the kind of community God's, God's called us to have. So clicks are territorial, community is invitational. And then just, just one more here. A click brings out people's worst. Community brings out people's best. Romans 15.2, Paul writes, Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Our goal is something about a click, you know, it's just like, all the like messed up stuff in us, it just kind of comes to the surface, that mentality. But a real healthy community or team brings out the best in people. And there's just something about a community that sees people and sees their God-given potential and value and pulls that out. That's why we like to use words like, what's up, Faith? What's up, Overcomer? How you doing, Champ? Maybe I'm the only one who uses those words. I don't know. <laughs> but you guys got good ways to say that, too. It's, there's something about just encouragement, just about seeing something in somebody and calling it forth. And it, it brings out the best in people. And that's really the kind of community God's called the church to be. One that sees people and doesn't just see all the messed up stuff. I'm so glad that people have done that in my life. And didn't just see all the messed up stuff. There's plenty of that. But said, hey, man, there's something in you. God's got a purpose for your life. And you can do that. And being living in a community like that really, really pulls that out like, like nothing else. And so um, I'm not going to read. I'll encourage you to read this. The, the chapter 16, the last chapter in Romans, most of this chapter is these greetings to the different believers in the church. And you can just tell, person after person, it's like, well, I'll just read it. Instead of just describing it. Um, just listen to this and think about, consider, consider how these are the people Paul's writing to. These are some of the people who had issues. These are the ones that had issues. But yeah, Paul's not just seeing that, but he's seeing this gospel's come to them. And this community's come to them. And look how it's bringing out the best in you. In verse 1, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe a deacon of the church in Centrea. This is the person who's probably bringing the letter. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. This was a husband-wife couple. Not only I, but all the churches, churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Epinetus. That's the guy who made the first EpiPen, I think. <laughs> Epinetus. He was the first convert to Christ in the province, province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet 
Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. And they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend, Stachys. Greet Apellus, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of ah, Narcissus. Narcissus, I think that's how you say it, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who's worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who's been a mother to me, too. I just love how you just feel Paul's heart for these people and like acknowledging, man, God has worked in your lives. And this, this community has worked in your life, your lives, and it's pulling out these character qualities. And you are, you are her heroes. You are serving God faithfully. You are making a difference. You are living relationally. You are caring for people around you. You are loving the outsider. You are changing the world. And he's writing to this, this little church in Rome that's behind them is Nero's palace and the epicenter of, of power in the ancient world. And he's saying, you all, like, this community is changing things. Just keep it up. Keep staying in community. Keep staying, keeping your relationships warm. Keep fighting for these friendships and these relationships because it really matters. And this, you don't, you maybe don't have an idea of how influential your lives are. You know, it's crazy that this little community that over the next decades and the preceding centuries, they were going to turn their world upside down. And I think about that, just, man, that's, look at this room here, it's the same thing. It was the same thing. We'd just be like, hey, that's, that's Fred, and that's Sandra, and I know them, and they got issues, and, you know, they, you know, they got, they're, they're part, you know, they kind of that part of the church, they're, they're this personality, or they're, but, oh my goodness, like, the, 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 the grace of God in our lives, the grace of God and the, the people's, the person sitting next to you, the person sitting behind you, the person sitting around you, and what God does through communities of people that draw near to him and build a community, we have no idea the, the impact of that and changing the world. And, you know, the world is, is desperate for that. Um, but it's so cool that, that we get to be part of that. And God is doing that. And he is, he's, he's building his community. And it's great to be part of that. So, um, Sagar's going to come up. We're going we're gonna to enter into communion right now. And just trust God to be continuing to do his work in our lives and in, in building his community. Let's take time to...